0: Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Hope, oh, part two, so excited to get into this with you. How many of you were not here last week? Real quick, raise your hand. You were not here last week. All right, I need you to go in the back and get the tape. I need you to go online and watch. Man, last week was so huge. It was so pivotal. I talked to so many people that were like, man, I just never saw it from those angles. i never thought about it like that. Last week, we talked about how God wants you to think about your money differently. And here's why. Because if you begin to see money as God sees money and think about money as God thinks about money, you're going to be a more blessed prosperous and happy person in this life. And so last week, so, so important that you go get that. But this week, we're going to talk about something new because last week we were trying to get you to change your mind about money. Today, I just want to get you free. That's my big goal. My big win for today is if I can get you freedom oriented, because here's, here's the deal. Today will not be about you giving more. Does that make sense? Because here's, here's my take on you. If I were talking to a different group of people, I might think differently. But y'all, y'all, y'all are some good people. I don't know if you know that or not, but y'all are awesome. You guys are actually an incredibly generous people. Because whenever we do something, whenever we put on a project, whenever we say, hey, we're going to go do this, or we want you to give towards this cause, or do this thing, or build this thing, or whatever it is, you guys are awesome. So I don't think that you guys have a generosity problem. But what I find is, is that with most people, is that... Even if they don't have a generosity problem, many times they have a freedom problem, meaning they would like to do more and give more, but are just limited and restricted by life circumstances, and particularly by debt, that they do more. They would get more generous. They would give more, do more, go more, faster, bigger, stronger. They would do. So it's not a generosity issue. It's a freedom issue. And here's what you need to know about your heavenly father. How many of you believe that God wants you free from sin? God wants you free so that you can live an abundant life. Here's what you need to know is that God wants you free from debt. And debt has got to be one of the biggest things that I've ever seen that constantly restrict people. Not, not from, it's not that they have a generosity issue. They just literally have limitations and they have a, a freedom issue. And so my hope today is that you get a brand new perspective. And for some of you, this will be like, yeah, pastor, I totally believe in that. And I'm just setting you up so that you know how to train your kids and your kids' kids. But for many of us, we need to begin to look at debt way differently. And look at what the Bible says. I want you to read the scripture. Proverbs chapter 22, verse number 7 says this. It says that... That the rich rule over the poor. Um, we don't like that. That's why people are feeling the burn right now. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower, this is the key verse the borrower is what? slave to the lender. Let's say that again. The borrower is slave to the lender. What God is playing on here is this idea, and you you may know it because of experience, is that whenever you are indebted to somebody else, is that debt ends up becoming a taskmaster in your life. And God wants you to be free. In every arena of your life, God wants you to be free. He wants you to be free in your heart, free in your mind, free in your relationships. But he even wants you free In your finances, and the number one thing that keeps people bound typically is debt. And God wants us to look at debt so differently so that we can be free, and then when we are free, the generosity can just flow. Can I get an amen? Let's pray as we begin today. Father, we pray that God, as we open up your words, that God, we would be so encouraged, that we would be so inspired, that we would be so motivated, God, to be free as you would have us to be free, that God, we would take the thoughts, the ideas, and the principles from your words. And God, we would begin to apply them to our lives in such a way, God, we weren't just acknowledging that you are wise, but God, we would be living out your wisdom. We wouldn't just be acknowledging that you know the way, but God, we would actually be in that way, living out the life that you have planned for us, Lord. That is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Amen. I had this uh, math teacher. And she was wonderful. You know, you remember like sometimes you get a teacher that you just didn't like in school, real dud or mean or whatever. And then every once in a while, this gem of a teacher would come along. And then this teacher was so fun and they made class so fun. They made the subject that probably would have been boring. They made it fun. And, and we had a class and we were talking about money and finances. It was kind of like our, our, one of our economic classes. And, and she was so funny about herself. And she was so brutally honest because she would teach us certain things about money, but she didn't and lived those things out herself. And so when she would begin to teach us about money and how investing and debt and all this stuff works, we'd be like, "Oh, Miss Hall, what do you think about whatever?" And she was she was almost the teacher that would teach you um, by bad example. Like, here's what I did, so don't do that. And we would ask her about debt, and because and, 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 we as kids, this is back when I was like in middle school, we as kids would just look up at adults and think, they had it all figured out. They knew how to manage money. They knew how to get out of debt. They knew how to invest. They knew how to do all these things. Clearly, that's why they gave her the, the title of teacher, right? And they, they know how to do all this thing. And we were like, oh, well, what about you? And what about you? Because she goes, oh, no, 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 I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. You're like, what? She goes, yeah, I don't own anything. Well, like you have a house, right? Because we just thought you have a house. That means you own the house. She goes, "No, no, I don't own the house. I'm in debt to my house. <laughs> like, I, I don't, because if I stop paying payments on my house, they can take my house. Well, you had a car, right? I mean, every, every grown up has a car. She's like, well, I don't own my car. The bank owns my car. So if I don't make my payments, the bank takes my car. And, and she goes, see this jewelry right here? And she just unloads. She's like, see this jewelry right here? I don't own this either. This is on credit. And we were like, wow, this is how the world works. And even from middle school, I'm starting to get like influenced by the idea that, oh, well, if you don't have money for it, you can just put on a card. It's like magic. You don't actually have to have cash to pay for it. There's this there's this place called Discover or Master. That's more appropriate. Visa, that's just hidden. We don't even know what that is. And what they'll do is they'll give you stuff even when you don't have any money. And this is awesome because then that means I get to get all the stuff that I really, really want. And I don't have to pay for it. (laughs) What I want to tell you is this right here is that no matter what Samuel Jackson tells you, or Jennifer Gardner tells you about the wonderful rewards. What you have to buy, or what you gotta become aware of is this that you have bought into a system. You have bought into people that literally sat around decades ago and thought, you know what we need to do? Here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're, gonna do. we're gonna sell people debt. That's what we're gonna do. And we're gonna make it seem awesome. Because if you go back, depending on how old you are up in here, If you go back long enough in American history, debt used to be looked at as like a negative thing. Debt was like evil. Debt was awful. You would judge people who got into debt because you were like, they're foolish people. How would you ever do that? And so debt used to be judged and looked at so negatively. And then how many know, like this is the way anything works in cultural cycles, is that what one generation basically begins to tolerate, the next generation accepts, and then the following generation just embraces And so you have this idea in American culture that used to be debt was awful, debt was evil, debt was a slave driver, debt was a taskmaster. But then when Samuel Jackson explains it, it sounds so much cooler and then there's rewards. There's like cash back things, and I get free airline tickets or something. I mean, how that works? Or, or, or if you are brilliant enough as a college student, you will walk by a booth and they'll give you a free hat if you'll just sign this paper. Who doesn't want a free towel or a free hat or a free T-shirt? This is gold. This is clearly a win-win opportunity. I'm being sarcastic because I'm trying to not be mean. Um, But my point is is that we have gone through the generational cycles where we have accepted debt and embraced debt. Now we think debt should be a good thing. I want you to know something that never, at any point in the Bible, can you find the Bible speaking positively about debt. And in every instance debt is mentioned, it's always mentioned in a negative sense, in a negative light. The most obvious one being the one we read earlier. Like, I want you to know that God wants you to be so free, but he also wants you to be debt-free because debt is actually a taskmaster. It is a slave driver. And God wants you to be free so that you can be fully generous in every way that God would want you to be generous. And here's what I know about you. You want to be free. I know that about you. You want to be blessed. You want to be prosperous. You want to be able to give anytime you want to give and go anytime you need to go. That's where you want to live. And to do so, you'll need to change your mind about this thing called debt. Not only is debt always looked at in a negative light, and always is, is looked at in a negative sense, when you really look at what drives our debt, this is what you find too. They're all negative things. They're all usually sin-related, most of them. So here's what drives us to debt. I'll give you a few examples. This is what gets into us to a debt. is greed. Greed is, I want what I don't have. I want what I can't have. I want it. And I want it now. And I want more of it. And I want it sometimes to be really, really tiny when it's technology. And other times I want it to be really, really big when it's my home. Or I want, I want it. And I want it now. And greed drives. Like this is why we look at things that we cannot afford. Because if we could afford them, we would just pay for them. Right? We, we just buy them. But we want things that we can't afford. So we see that car and we think, but I want to drive that car. And the upgrade is just, I mean, once I finance it for, for, you know, 10 years, you know, the 20 inch rims really just, they're not a big deal. And so if I'll just, if I'll do, and so when we see that vacation that we think we want and we think we need, but we don't have the cash to pay for it, we end up saying, I want things that I can't have, I want things that I don't need. And what's funny is this, is that your brain, Actually, it's really, really funny. This is what you need to know. You have, you have a couple, obviously you have many parts of the brain, but you have a couple parts of the brain that begin to factor in when you make financial decisions. So there's a part of the brain called the, called the limbic system. Everybody say limbic. This is the system that basically animals have as well. Um, monkeys have this part of the brain, right? It's your limbic system. The other one's called the prefrontal cortex. Now, if, if you know anything about teenagers, the reason why teenagers do things that are dumb, but don't really think they're dumb at the time and parents, they just think you're dumb um, is because they actually, their, their prefrontal cortex is not fully developed yet. It doesn't stop reach its full capacity until it's kind of in its 20s, early 20s. And so this is the part of the brain that puts cause and effect. This is the part of the brain that thinks about responsibility and consequences. This is the part of the brain that when it comes to your financial decisions, you think about your budget, you think about what you have and what you don't have and what would be the wiser, or the prudent thing to do. This is the thing that keeps us in check. And as adults, know, I mean, we all want a fully developed prefrontal courtier. But the limbic system, the limbic system is the one that, like I said, even monkeys have this, this kind of part of their brain too. This is, the, this is the monkey brain. This is the part of the brain that says bananas. Mm. This is the part of the brain that when you go shopping and you're like "Mm, new iPhone new iPhone Um, when you guys when you get car fever that's monkey brain that, that's that's what that is. So, so you got to realize that there are parts of your mind even that say, I just want it. It looks fun and it looks shiny. It looks pretty. And it's on sale. And you know, you have all these ways of kind of rationalizing. Where does that come from? That's the monkey brain in you. Stop it. You're not a monkey. You didn't come from a monkey. You are made in the image and likeness of God. And what separates you from a monkey is that you have a prefrontal cortex. And so I want you to think, not just be driven by greed. Here's another one. Pride many times is the, is the driver to this thing. I want you to think about this. Like how many times in our life do we say things like, man, I would just feel so much better if I had this. How many of you go like depress- depression shopping? Don't raise your hand. Um, that's not like a, I'm not wanting a response out of you right now. I'm just trying to get you to think. But you're like, I'm sad. I'm going to go shopping because it'll make me feel better about myself. Or you feel better about yourself because you know of a brand that you have on your clothing. Pride is driving you. Think about this too. Have you ever felt like you needed to measure up to your neighbors, measure up to your friends, measure up to people that you know? Sometimes measure up to people that you hate, but you're tired of them one-upping you. And pride is driving you. Pride says, "I deserve it. I know I don't have the cash, and I haven't earned it per se. But I, but I deserve these things." Pride is driving us into debt. Here's another one: impatience. Impatience basically just says, "I know that I kind of need it, and I ought to wait, and I ought to do it wisely, and I ought to, but I need it now." Like this is why. Like if you ever go home shopping. There's this, there's this thing that will kick in because you're like, I'm ready to buy a home. And you kind of know what your budget is, at least I hope you do. And then you find this house and you're like, oh my gosh, this is the one. And the market's flooded and you're like, there will never be another house that comes on the market like this one. This is the one. And I know it's $50,000 over budget, but there will never be another one. We need it now, honey. And you're driven by the pure fact that you need it now. And that impatience has pushed you over into making unwise monkey brain is now. Here's another one. Sometimes it's just ignorance. Can I get an amen? You thought the hat and the t-shirt, well, it, just, it would seem like a win-win and it was really just ignorance. This is why when I go back to our history together, me and my wife, we, nobody ever taught us how to budget. Nobody ever taught... She's smiling. Did they teach you and you just didn't want to tell me? What happened? <laughs> Don't you smile at me like that. And so nobody ever taught me how to budget. Nobody ever taught me how to like... And and so like most of my life was just like not knowing. It wasn't that I thought debt was good. I just didn't know how to budget. I didn't know what good percentages were that would keep me in balance. I just didn't know how to track money. I didn't know. And so out of ignorance, I just thought well, I think we have the money. I make pretty good money. I think we can buy that, you know? And so I would just go do things or buy things, assuming that, you know, just out of pure ignorance, that it would work out and it would be fine and and no big deal. And and I'm telling you, when you have ignorance, when you have ignorance, credit card just seems like, well, yeah, that's just what everybody does, right? That's just how the world works. I I want you to think about this too. Studies have shown you have a pain center in your brain. So if you touch something hot, the pain center in your brain lights up. Do you know that human beings, when they pay cash for things, that the pain center of their brain lights up? Yeah, because we don't like giving away our money, but a card. I mean, that's not real. It. (laughs) It's just a plan. It's not... Because if you had to pay cash for that stuff, you would be way less... This is why grandma was so smart. If y'all had a grandma... Do y'all have a grandma that she didn't use a card because they weren't invented in whatever year that was. They had envelopes. did anybody have a grandparent that had envelopes? Please give... Okay. I was like, am I the only one? And so... They would, they would have an envelope and then they would write on the envelope what that envelope was designated for. And then they would have cash in the envelope. And when that cash was gone, they were done spending money. Oh, no, not today. Visa has provided. MasterCard is our provider. It has provided a way in which I can have what I cannot pay for right now. And it is glorious Forget the fact that I'm paying 15 to 30% interest on it. And that's irrelevant. Because I'm not thinking about my future monkey brain has taken over. And so, this is why, think about it. If you've ever been to a casino, which I don't encourage. If you ever go to a casino, do you ever notice how you can't go all in with cash? You can't sit at the blackjack table and keep putting $10 and $20 bills out there. Why? You wouldn't do it. They're like, hey, but there's a chip. It's just a little piece of plastic. It doesn't really... Does not really matter? It doesn't mean anything? It's just, it's just it's a chip. Why do you think casinos do that? Because they know if you paid cash, you wouldn't play the game. There's something to this thing called debt. And I'm telling you, and the last one is this. The last thing that drives is disaster. And this one is legitimate. So, so ignorance is, is legitimate to a certain degree. But the Bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So ignorance doesn't count after today because I've totally hosed you when we're done. You're welcome. And disaster is the other one that we really can't control is sometimes things happen. If you lose your job or if you go through a major pay cut or a major medical emergency or something like that, sometimes these things drive us into debt. But here's what I want you to know. There are answers. There are solutions. There is wisdom from the Bible because here's the big deal. Now we know what's driving us into debt. I'm going to give you what the Bible says to get you out of debt. This is so brilliant. If you have your Bible, I want you to go to Proverbs chapter six, verse number one. This is so huge. Listen to this. My son, Many, I love you, dog. You need to listen to me. If you have put up security for your neighbor, if you've shaken hands in a pledge for a stranger, if you've been trapped by what you said or ensnared by the words of your mouth, this is Bible code for you got into debt. Got it? You're in debt. My son, if you got into debt, if you were making pledges for people for things, if you were shaking hands when you shouldn't have because they didn't have plastic back then, They had dumb handshaking, apparently. He said, listen to me. So do this, my son. Everybody say this, to free yourself. Meaning, uh, now here's the deal. I believe that your heavenly father so stinking loves you that you will never fathom how much he loves you. And sometimes we pray, God, I need you to do a miracle and to bail me out and to help me out. And please, 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 would you? But I'm going to say this. By and large, God is probably not and most likely not going to ever bail you out of debt. So if you're waiting on that miracle check to come from heaven, if you're waiting on the rich uncle that you don't even know exists to die and to come bail you out, do not hold your breath because debt by and large is not something that God will free you of, but rather he has equipped you to do what? Free, free yourself. Anyway, um, that's not even how that song goes. Free yourself. Since you have fallen into your neighbor's hands, meaning you owe somebody, you are in debt. This is what I want you to do to free yourself. Number one is I want you to go. Work to the point of exhaustion and give your neighbor no rest. Allow no sleep to your eyes and no slumber to your eyelids. The very first thing that God is encouraging you to do is to work To work and to work. That is, you y'all ever heard the old saying, there's a good place to go when you're broke? (laughs) To work, yeah. There's a magical chain reaction of events that when you go to work, they give you money in return. It's a beautiful system. And what he's saying is this, is that you need to, above all, get to work, go to work, increase your capacity to work. And if you are truly serious about getting debt free, you may even want to go to the extent of saying, hey, look, I'm going to go get an extra job, a little bit of side job until we knock out this debt. But he said this, he said that you're going to work and he did not, I want you to understand this. If you really want to get out of debt free, or you really want to get out of debt free, if you really want to get debt free, you will actually have to make incredible sacrifices for at least a short period of time, some of you longer than that. There is something that you're going to have to surrender to give up. You're going to have to go above and beyond and do extra. It's going to require a lot of work. So, he, as a matter of fact, this is, if you want to summarize how you get away with this, this is, this is what you need to do. You need to work more, you need to spend less. And with the difference, you pay down your debt. You need to work more. You need to spend less. And with the difference, you pay down your debt. And then when you're done doing that, you take the difference and you invest for the future. Like that. We can all go home right now if we all did that. Listen though. Work, 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 and work. And that's how you begin. It's going to take incredible effort. So listen to this. Go to the point of exhaustion and give your neighbor no rest. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Everybody say free yourself. That's twice now. Like a gaz- Everybody say like a gazelle. Now this is weird. Solomon is the wisest man who ever lived. He is teaching me how to get debt free. He tells me to work to exhaustion. Okay, I'm, I'm tracking. I could see how that would make sense. And then he's like, I want you to be like a gazelle. Really? That's the best illustration you could come up with? is Be, be like a gazelle? Here, here's what I want you to know. So he says, be like a gazelle from the hand Of the hunter like a bird from the snare of the fowler. What he says is, number one is, I want you to work, 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 and work until you're exhausted and work a little bit more after that. The next thing he says is, I want you to be like a gazelle. Now, here's what you need to know. How many of you ever watch Discovery Channel? How many of y'all like like having Discovery Channel in the background? How many of y'all love watching the lion eat the zebra and shake? Why are you shaking your head? No, it's it's nature. It's beautiful. Um, I love that stuff, man. It is awesome. Or when you see like the lions attack the water buffalo and the water buffalo fight back, you're like, oh, it's on. And, and so it's just, it's just fun to watch this stuff. But when you watch a gazelle, now, if you watch the, the animal planet and you watch Discovery or whatever show, show it's National Geographic, um, you're watching, now, the number one predator for the gazelle is the cheetah. Now, the cheetah is the fastest land animal. I'm talking about like, I think it goes from zero to 50 miles an hour in four strides. I mean, this thing is quick. It is fast. And, and you're watching the cheetah just run down the gazelle. And of course, they only show you most of the time is when he gets the gazelle and it's awesome. And so, why do I think that's awesome? It's because I'm a boy. I don't know what it is. It's fun. And so... But here's what what the statistics really bear out, is that the gazelle actually escapes the cheetah basically 17 out of 18 times. The cheetah only gets the gazelle one out of about 18 times. Isn't that incredible? The cheetah is clearly the faster animal. He got claws, he got them big teeth. A gazelle is just, you ever see them? I mean, they're quick. Don't get me wrong. They're fast. They don't fight back. It's not like, all right, let's do this. It, it, he just run for his life is what it is. And that's what I want you to do when he says, be like a gazelle. What I want you to do is when you think about debt, I just want you to run for your life. Run as hard as you can in the opposite direction. Be quick, be fast, be nimble. Run. Why do you Now, here's what you got to think. Why in the world, if the cheetah's faster, would the gazelle win most of the time? One of them is running for lunch. The other is running for its life. (laughs) And that's the mentality I'm trying to get you to think about. Like you need to look at debt as a form of death and darkness and a form of slavery. And you need to run for your life. You need to get the cheetahs coming. Get out and get out quick and run and run hard and run fast. The gazelle is motivated. You'd be motivated too if a cheetah was chasing you down. So he says, be like a gazelle. Be incredibly motivated. Here's the point I would get you to say. Many of you wandered into debt. You built your debt slowly and non-systematically. You can wander into debt. You can't wander out of debt. Because if you keep paying the minimums on all 20 of those bills, you're gonna be paying them for the next 50 years of your life. You cannot wander out of debt. You need to run like crazy. Be like a gazelle. Listen to what he says next. He says, Be like a gazelle, be like the bird, from fly, fly away. Uh, next scripture is this go to the ant. So wait a minute, Solomon, this is like a children's sermon. I feel like, okay, little boys and girls, here's the gazelle, and now look at the ant. This is what he's saying. Why is this man who ever lived? I didn't make this stuff up. This is is in your Bible. So he says, look at the gazelle, running for his life, but he says, go to the ant. Everybody say, go to the ant. That's how you get out of debt. You go to the ant. Go to the ant, you sluggard. That's kind of (laughs) mean. Isn't that crazy? Go to the ant, you lazy bum. Consider its ways and be wise. Yeah, yeah, next next verse. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores up its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Man, just Bible time, went to to National Geographic time. We went from a gazelle. Now we're into the ant. He says, I want you to be like the ant. Notice that no one is watching over him. No one's making him do this. He is a part of something and he is so relentless and focused and strategic and systematic and dedicated and he's so on point. He doesn't get distracted. The reason why the ant is at a, at a picnic is not because it's trying to have a good time. It is on mission. It is on point. It is focused. We have these ants that came in our house the other night, man. They're relentless, aren't they? It's like, I smell it. Let's go. And they just take off. And then they work so effectively and efficiently. And they're so systematic about how they do things. I just wanted to get you this idea that not only do you need to run for your life, but you need to know this, is that I want you to become strategic and systematic about how you tackle debt. Because the difference between the ant, it's actually the opposite between the person that goes into debt. Think about this. What you do every time you go further into debt is this. Is you are actually taking tomorrow's money... And using it for today so that you can hurt your future. Why do you think that credit card's busting you out 15 to 30 percent? You're leveraging tomorrow's income for something that you think you need today. Which most times you don't. So that you can actually hurt your future. The ant does the opposite. It takes the time and resources that it has today. It spends what it has today to set up something brighter for its future, didn't you say it, it, it's storing up provisions in the future? And it is systematic, relentless, and strategic in how you do that. And so here's the deal: if you find yourself here today you say, "You know what, right, Todd? You're right. I've been a part of this world system and world's culture when it comes to debt, and I'm ready to get debt-free. I want to give you what I think the ant would do if the ant were a human and trying to get out of debt. Are you ready? I'm going to give it to you. Number one is this: if you're wanting to get out of debt, number one, the first thing you have to do. I'm going to go fast. Is track your money. You cannot get out of debt until you know what you've got coming in, and until you've got you know what what's going out. You need to know everything, how many bills do I have, what is my budget, how much is coming in, how much are we spending in every single department, because then you'll begin to see, I'm actually spending more, and I'm out of bounds in some specific areas, and most people get out of bounds easily in California with their home, and that's not normal across the country, but in California, as people get out of bounds in their car, you think you needed a Tahoe, you didn't need a Tahoe, you needed a beater is what you needed, <laughs> But you needed the Tahoe, and now you got a $650 a month payment. And I'm telling you that if you took $650 payment and saved that for one year, you start doing the math on that. Because if you went out and bought a beater for five grand, and then you put away the $650 for one year, you could go out and buy a, a nicer car in one year. And I don't want you to live in a beater your whole life. I'm not trying to li- make you live in the 1980 Pinto. I love you. I want you to have electric windows. But... Maybe not right now, okay? I'm trying to get you blessed in your future. And so you've got to, but anyway, my point is you've got to track all of your money and know what's coming in, what's going out, and you've got to be able to see everything clearly. Number two is this, you need to pray like crazy. Once you get them numbers down on pay, you better pray, you better fast, you better, do, you better pray, seek God. And here's why. is because God is going to give you the wisdom, and then God is going to give you the strength to know what to do next. And he's going to give you the courage to pull the trigger on some of the stuff that you have to do. Here, here's the other thing, too, though. The reason I want you to pray also is this. You can never underestimate the favor of God. You can never underestimate how much value there is in being at the right place at the right time with the right people. And you can't control that. You can't manipulate being in the right place at the right time with right. You can't do that. Is that God has the ability to open up doors for you that will help you succeed and prosper and move into new areas and new levels in your finances. But only God has control of that. So you need to pray. And here's where it really happens. This is just my belief. Is that when you prove yourself trustworthy, God can then entrust you with more. But good parents have a hard time Giving things to their kids if they know they're not mature enough to handle them. We know that when we give things to our kids, that would make them actually. Wreck their lives, we're reluctant to do so. So, as you begin to do things in God's way, God can then entrust you with more. So, anyway, you need to pray like grace. Number three is this you need to make big cuts. Now that you've looked at all the numbers, you are going to have to cut something because the reason why you're in debt is because you are buying stuff that you didn't have the cash to pay for anyway. And so, you're going to have to make cuts. It might be time to sell the Tahoe. It might be time. Some of you might have to move even. Some of you will have to make drastic cuts, some of you, to get to where you can get out of debt. But I'm telling you, your future is brighter if you will do so. So make big cuts. Number four is this is you're going to have to save an emergency fund. This is where all your cuts go to. So when you start making all those cuts, and you realize, wow, our entertainment budget is way out of bounds. We eat out way too much. It's time to eat some PB&Js and take my, take my lunch to work with me instead of going out and dropping 15 and $20 bucks everyday day. You've got to make cuts somewhere. And then when you make those cuts, you're going to save $1,000. It's the most important step you're going to take is save $1,000. Because I know so many people that when they start doing this plan, it's the first time in their life they ever had $1,000 cash just sitting there. Because some of you, like, cash is burning a hole in your pocket and you just can't wait to spend it. So you're going to save that. The main reason you're going to save $1,000 is because life will happen and you're going to need to, like, spend that money on an emergency. Something's going to come up. And the problem is this, is that if you don't have an emergency fund, you're going to have to go deeper into debt it's just going to keep cycling you in the wrong direction. So you're going to save an emergency fund. Number five is this, is you're going to quit borrowing more. That seems obvious, but I really felt like that that needed to be put in here for some people. It's like two of y'all. But quit borrowing more. We're on a plan. We're on a mission. We're on point. We are focused like the ant. We're running for our life like the gazelle. We are working harder. We're not going to go further into debt just because we're not going to let greed, pride, impatience motivate us ever again. We are only going to do what is necessary to get debt free. Therefore, we are going to quit borrowing more. Number six is this, is now we're going to snowball our debt. Now, here's how you snowball your debt. You have a thousand dollar emergency fund. That's over here. You don't touch that. What you have to do in your budget, and this is why you got to look at the numbers, and there's more details than this. I can only cover so much. But when you start snowballing your debt, here's what you do in essence. You need to find an extra, at least $100 in your monthly budget. And then what you do is you take all of those bills, and you line them up from largest to smallest. You pay all your minimums on everything because you don't default on your debt. You're going to keep your word. But you take that smallest one. And then you take that extra $100 and you add it to the smallest one. And then literally you just keep hammering away at that until you knock it out. And then what you do is you take that minimum plus the $100 and then you add it to the next one. And then all of a sudden you've got that minimum, that minimum, and $100 and you're adding it to that one. Now some of you can be like, that's easy, I can do more than 100 bucks." Then do more. Run like the gazelle. Be focused like the ant. I mean we're talking about minimums here, people. And literally, what we do is we just keep knocking this thing out, and keep snowballing, and keep pounding it away. As a matter of fact, if you do this, they actually have calculators where you can put in your debts, put in your minimums, put in your percentages, and if you can add the hundred or whatever you can come up with, they'll give you a freedom day. This is like your get out of jail date. You know, how like prisoners sitting there like tally marks on the wall. That's you. You're like, I'm going to be debt-free. I got 30 more days. I got three more years. I don't know what it's going to be for you. But you're going to get debt-free if you will snowball your debt. And then lastly, number seven is this, is you're going to prepare for the future. What did the ant do? It's leveraging its now for a brighter future. Now, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Proverbs that a righteous man lays up an inheritance for his children's children. I want you to think about that scripture. A righteous man lays up an inheritance for his children's children. Why is God trying to get you free? So that you can be a blessing to the world around you. So that you can be generous at any point in time. So that you can basically set your family up for you? How dope would it be? Let me back up and put it in a different way. How dope would it have been if your parents were so on point with biblical finances that when you came up, they were debt free. And then all of a sudden when you went to college, you didn't have to get college loans and student loans but they had been preparing for the future. What if your grandparents had been preparing for the future? I'll tell you my life. I had amazing grandparents. I had grandparents that were so awesome that they were literally on my birthday, they didn't give me presents. They gave me bonds. Anybody ever have a grandparent that do that for them? It's awesome. And toys don't mean jack when you're 20. <laughs> when you're 20 and, you, and you're doing this and you're going to the bank and you're cashing all these bonds and all this stuff that grandma done put away for you, all of a sudden, you're like, Grandma was flipping brilliant. I didn't need no toys. I needed bonds. I needed cash. I needed somebody to think about my future. And so when I went to college, listen, when I had to buy my first car, I didn't, I didn't take out a loan. Why? Because grandpa. Grandma. I'm telling you, how, how cool would it be for you to think about changing the generational trajectory of your family tree? What do you think about that when you think about, no, no, we're going to get debt free. We're going to set up our kids. And think about this. The Bible is so on point with this that it's not even saying think about your children. It's saying think about your children's children. You should plan financially with your grandchildren in mind. And when you do that, think about the generational trajectory you put your family on. Think about all the stuff that maybe you had to go through or you had to put up with or all the chains and bondage that you had to get free from growing up as a kid and then all of a sudden you're on a completely different trajectory. Why? Because you started right now today running like a gazelle and thinking like an ant. You were working your butt off so that you could prepare something for the future because God wants you free Like God's not trying to take something from you. I promise he's trying to set you up for success. You are the apple of his eye. And he takes delight in your prosperity. I promise you that God wants you to be free. So that you can give, go, do, and prepare a brighter future for your life and for generations to come. Somebody say amen to that. Let's pray this morning. So Father today, God, we. We come before you. And God, some of us need to have a real come to Jesus moment. Some of us need to have that brutal, honest, oh my gosh, I've been fighting this, I've been delaying this, I've been resisting this, but God, I get it. And today I understand you want me to be free and not just free in my soul and free in my heart and free from sin. God, you want me free so that I can be a blessing to the world around me. I, I cannot be the blessing that you want me to be because I am literally indebted to someone else. The Bible says, oh, no man, anything, but to love him. How wonderful would it be to get to a point in our lives where all of us, the only thing we owed to anybody else was to see how much and how far we could love them. How awesome would it be to think about setting up our future generations to see, you know what, when they get into college and when they get their life going, we can help them with this and we can help them that and we've made plans and we've made preparations. Why? Because you did the tough things now. You will have to make sacrifices if you do this that hopefully your future generations will never have to make. You made them now. You decided I will work and work to exhaust you. I will go ahead and run like a gazelle. I will plan like the ant and I will get after it because God, you want me to be free. You want me to be blessed so I can be a blessing to the world around me. And so God, I pray that you give us the courage and the strength to go out of here and make the wise decision. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. And we all shouted, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap for me this morning. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.